0: Welcome to Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. I know that there are times when women and young girls sit around and talk about men. And I know that there are times when guys sit around and talk about women. But I think what some of you might be shocked to learn in this episode is how some men sit around and talk about women and how some men even plot and plan on how they can target women. It's not surprising to me because after all, all of you send me your stories and that's what I do. I do a lot of research. So I I hear it all and it is shocking and sometimes it's sickening. But I have a young man who agreed to be interviewed on this episode and he's gonna share a little bit about locker room talk. What do they talk about? In locker rooms, how do they talk about women? Not all guys, but some guys. And with this, there's some disturbing information.
1: There's situations like that where those three guys will have other guys standing, standing guard to make sure nobody comes in and says anything or no one can come in and intrude. but then he went on to describe aspects of her, of her genitalia.
0: I know that there's moms that might be listening and they'll say, now I raise my son better. You know, my son would never do that. And I hope so. I certainly hope so. And I certainly hope you continue to talk to them about respecting women because when you look at all the sexual assaults and violent attacks against women in this world there's a lot of parents in this world that might be saying how did this happen I raised him better and in my mind that's where the pressures of society come in I believe that pressure for for men when they are with their guys is a real thing because it is so important for men to be one of the guys my guest today is Landon Rudy. First of all, Landon, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm happy to do this. this is yeah, good. yeah.
0: Listen, you're coming up on your one year anniversary. So going yes. back to when you first started dating your lovely wife, what traits do you think you had and hopefully still have that made her fall in love with you?
1: Mm, um, that's a great question. That's a great question, Barb. Um, I'm, I'm very energetic. I'm usually the life of the party type guy. Um, but when I want to be, I love to just sit down and be intentional. Um, I firmly believe that the, that intentional time of being intentional with my pursuit of my wife was big time. Cause she was incredibly busy, but I was very determined. I was like, Nope, I'm going to pursue you whether you like it or not. Uh, she came around eventually. So
0: <laughs> you wore her down.
1: Yes. Did, yeah, and uh, did exactly. you do
0: that by being the life of the party? Or did you have any other characteristics where she was like, mm, this is a good guy, I can tell. I mean, I know her a little bit. It can't just be because you were the life of the party. So what other traits yes. do you think that you have?
1: Um, I think the two that come to mind was my relationship with God was much stronger than it had been in the past and I was able to show that and be willing to grow in that. Um, I think that was one. And then two, consistency. Um, just meeting her where she was at and like, working with her very busy schedule as a D1 athlete and a computer science major. She was very, very busy. So just being consistent with my time, intentional with that time, but also trying to lead her spiritually during that time as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now, you recently. Help me with the class in Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, along with your lovely wife. Mm-hmm. And before you came to that class, did you have any idea the type of fear that women could have going into a date, or possibly what you saw the type of violence that some women experience when they're when they're alone?
1: I think for me, it's always talked about. You always hear stories. But whenever I helped with your class, especially hearing your story, I think that opened my eyes to how real it actually is. Because it's always kind of one of those where, oh, that won't happen. Like, I'm not that guy. That's not me. So it's easy when you're in that mindset to not see it as legit as it is. Um, But I think your class really helped open my eyes to some to some of the situations and scenarios that women find themselves in. Mm. Uh,
0: Well, one day you might have a daughter, you know, you might now. Mm -hmm. And of course it's years away um, as far as her (laughs) being old enough to go on a date, but Mm -hmm. knowing what you know now, and just imagining, you know, 16, 20 years from now, what do you think your biggest concerns would be for your daughter, your concerns for your Mm -hmm. daughter to go on a date?
1: I'm, I'm answering this question as someone who does not have kids. Um, I just want to throw that out yeah. there for those who may be listening who do have kids. Um, I think just raising her the right way to where she has beliefs that she can stand on. Something that I admire about my wife is I believe her parents did a good job, but she also did a great job of her independence and knowing her worth. I think that's something a lot of girls don't fully know or understand. I would love to raise my daughter so she knows her worth in Christ. She knows her worth in herself. The scariest thing my wife ever said to me when we were dating, um, I made a mistake and I gave a really piss poor excuse about it. And she looked at me and she says, hey, I know my worth. I'm not here to play games. And if that's what you're here to do, this is not going to work to have, I've never heard a woman speak to me so confidently about herself and who she is and what her worth is. So I think the Bible is very clear. If you raise your kids in the way of the Lord, they will not depart from it, is a, a, a paraphrasing of that Bible verse. But raising my daughter in a way that is Christ-like, but in a way where she is confident in who she is and what she's worth, I think is incredibly important for her to be able to stand her own ground. Cause there's only so much that I can do cause I'm not going on those dates with her. So being able to raise her to where she knows what she's worth and how, and what she is uh, capable of, I think is incredibly important.
0: Okay. Uh, I love that. She um, said that. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, let me, let me spin this around a little bit. Uh, okay. One day you might have a son and when he starts dating, what would be your biggest concern?
1: man so many things it's all it's very interesting how people are more worried about guys than girls which is absolutely valid um and that's kind of how I'm at right now too just being a man and knowing like man just knowing what men can be capable of um I'm just concerned that he's going to go and really make a big big mistake all because he either wasn't educated or the self-control wasn't there um with a woman whether it's early pregnancy or whether it's some type of crime or something along those lines. Um, I definitely think that is a big concern of mine.
0: Okay. Um, and again, let's be clear. You're just a year into your marriage. So you're years exactly. away from, from this, you have a lot of years to think on this, but those are yes. good answers. Yes, so I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that because I have okay. I'm, I'm sure we're going to circle back to this a little bit. Um, okay. what do you think, you know, uh, what do you think guys' expectations are when they go on a
1: first date? That's a good question because I think, I mean, it's, it depends on the guy, but I also think it depends on their upbringing, right? So you've got your believers and then you have people who are not necessarily believers. I think that's where my mind goes. It's like, it kind of depends. Is Jesus at the center? Is Jesus not the center? Um, is it the way that culture and society View dating it's sex is very very emphasized it's like hey if you want to have sex after the first date or whatever that may be that's cool that's what society says and it's so easy to fall into that type of thinking because that's what's in front of us every single day we have everything we could ever want at the palm of our hand Um, For me, the expectation was, hey, I just want to get to know this girl and I just want to see if a second date will come out of it. And we'll go, we'll go from there. That was always my expectations, but I know that is not, I cannot speak for every guy on this, but I know I do see what society is teaching our younger generation just that, like, sex is okay with whoever, whenever, first date, second date, third date, whatever. So I imagine for, for young men who are not believers, it's really easy to fall into that process. And it's more of a, ooh, let's see how far I can get instead of um, let's just get to know her a little bit. I think there's those are two important distinctions, but that's kind of where my mind goes. Um, and that's what I've been seeing.
0: Okay. Let's let's um talk about some guys. You've you've played sports, you played uh hockey at a high level. So you've been around guys in a lot of different scenarios, like going out after games, in the locker room. There's been just a lot of different probably experiences where you've been around women, you've heard guys speak about women. Do you think that when a guy meets a woman do you you know and he's like oh i want to ask her out do you think he researches her so he can be safe on the date does he have to worry about his safety
1: um i think some guys do research but i don't know if it's out of safety i think it's more (laughs) of curiosity than than anything anything like what's the cure what's the
0: cure what's the curiosity landon
1: I don't know like a lot of it I feel like first dates are more based on physical attraction like I want to be physically attracted to this person that's why I want to go on a date with them and so they'll peruse their instagram they have a tiktok facebook twitter whatever just like oh like I want to get a better look at this girl and see if she's someone I really could see another date with or it also depends on their intentions as to why they're researching so if they have the wrong intentions they're going to be researching the wrong things and vice versa
0: Okay, very good, very good by the time we're done with this you and I are going to be good friends I think so yeah, okay Great. let's keep this going okay, wonderful do you know guys that check in with their friends on a date to let them know how it's going and that they're safe everything's gonna be okay whereas women oh. when they go on a date with the stranger you know they go to the bathroom they're calling their friends and like I'm pretty sure he's not gonna kill me <laughs> so I'm gonna stay a yeah. little bit longer mm-hmm. think guys do that
1: um. I've never seen any of my guy friends do that, nor have I heard. I'm sure it's happened for sure. I'm not saying it's not, but from my personal experience, I've never done it. Yeah. Um, I've never seen any of my friends do it because, like I said, safety is usually not the concern from a guy standpoint. Which yeah. Is, yeah.
0: yeah. When, when you went out on a date, what, were you ever concerned for your safety? For fear that the woman was going to attack you, be violent towards you? never. Can you tell the difference when a guy is talking about a woman that he recently met and they went out on a date and she dumped him or she refused him, but the way he's talking about it, his ego is making it sound like it was all his decision
1: um I never surrounded myself with guys like that from like a close friend standpoint I know I played sports but I would it was usually kind of more of a distance friendship because those were not the influences that needed that I needed to have so with my friend group no but I know for a fact when I I got to the privilege of playing hockey in Canada so it's like those are my friends so I had to get a little closer to those guys and there was definitely some big egos and some guys who absolutely would have acted that way and did act that way and was trying to be cool and tough. Like, no, it wasn't her. Like, I'm just not interested, whatever. Like wouldn't really be vulnerable. A lot of men aren't vulnerable like that. So they wouldn't, they maybe have one or two close friends, but they would never in front of the whole team um, confess that they were rejected after their advances.
0: Right. Yes, right. That is
1: That is ego and pride or, yeah, all that's right. pretty common. Well, it them. sounds
0: like you run with a good circle, but let's talk about when you kind of had to get outside your circle. You were in mm-hmm. another country and around different guys. Mm-hmm. What, t- what type of information are guys willing to share in a locker room about
1: women? Almost all of it. There's not much still hide. They may not go into too much too much detail about their, uh, their sexual experience the night before. Um, some guys wouldn't, some guys would. Uh, we're very, very comfortable. They're just the locker room. It's like anything and everything is okay to talk about. And most of the time it is celebrated. So if a guy comes to the locker room, yeah, dude, I hooked up with this girl last night. Oh, nice man. This bump, Cool, dude. How was it? Oh, it was cool. And then they get into some details, like describing, her and what she did and all this stuff. They just, nothing is really, if the right guy is in there, he'll say everything. Some guys are kind of respectful and will just stop it. I hooked up with so-and-so. I mean, I, I say respectful, but they'll stop there without going into too much detail. But other guys will say just whatever. And most of the time, I think the toxic part of it is it's celebrated. Like, oh, cool, man, that's great. Like, that's super cool. And then these other guys are like, oh, well, no, I need to go do that. And then it's just kind of this this energy in the locker room.
0: How often uh, does that happen? How often is, is that talk just on weekends? Is that everyday talk? How frequent is it?
1: Uh, in Canada, it was pretty frequent. On my high school teams, it wasn't super frequent. Maybe one or two guys every couple weeks. But in Canada, it was very, very frequent.
0: Okay. So the older you got, you could blame it on Canada, but really the older Mm -hmm. you got, the more frequent it started becoming. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's the most shocking thing you ever heard a guy say about a woman where you like maybe snapped your head and you were like, Oh my gosh.
1: What comes to mind. um, And I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't like to use the language that this guy used. Um, He was describing. um, So he, he, had sex with a girl at a party. Um, And it was, it was consentful. The whole team knew who this girl was and it was, it was fine there. But then he went on to describe aspects of her, of her genitalia. Like, and I don't, I don't want to go past that, but he was kind of describing, Oh, it's, it was actually blah, blah, blah," blah, blah. And I was like, dude, what the heck, what are you doing right now? Like it was information that none of us needed to know. Right. I for sure, I did not need to know that. Um, but just going into like how his experience was and like aspects of, of her body, that was like very great detail about it. And I was like, Hmm, okay. That's something I could have lived without, but now it's in my head.
0: <laughs> now I have a visual. What, <laughs> what do you think possesses somebody to do that? Is it their ego?
1: Ego, pride. A false sense of masculinity. Mm. I think going back to kind of what society preaches, like guys, like what's your body count? Like the more girls you sleep with like the manlier you are. That's this general, like false masculinity message that's being sent. Because again, society is like, you can have sex with who you want, wherever you want. And you see so many, excuse me, wherever you want. And you see so many people almost get made fun of, or people are really questioning them if they don't, if they choose not to have sex with whoever they want, whenever they want. Like sex is very encouraged. Sex is, it feels no longer like this sacred thing to like save for marriage because society is throwing in, Oh, just have sex with whomever you want, whenever you want. And it gives guys this false sense of masculinity. Like, Oh yeah. You know, like I'm a man now. Cause I just had sex with this girl last night or, or my body count is this many, it's more than you. And it's, it's this false sense of pride and like almost, almost this false sense of purpose too. Or because these guys don't truly know what it is to be a man and what true masculinity is, they feel like this false sense of masculinity comes from this false purpose of trying to mm. sleep with women.
0: So there are guys out there that keep score against other guys.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to put it. I've never seen guys compete about it. Like, who can have sex with more girls in a month or whatever? But it's definitely a number that they keep very close to the front of their head. Like, oh, well, you've only slept with four women. I've slept with eight. Ha, huh. you know, and they, they kind of rub it in their face. But I've never seen men compete over it. But for lack of a better term, yes, keeping, keep, keeping score is a good way to put it.
0: I know like, you know, when you're 18, 19, maybe even in your early 20s, you don't think like, oh, he's a predator. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really, it's not really in your language or thought process, at least, you know, not, not so much. Again, the older you get, the more colorful those things become. But looking back, do you think that some of the guys that you were around were predators?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. And looking back, I can never think of anyone whom I got Predator <laughs> vibes from. Because I think Predators can be very good at hiding what they're actually doing. And they'll talk about it in more of a consensual light. And like They'll kind of just blow it off like, yeah, I had sex with a girl last night or whatever. And people are like, nice, cool, and that's it not details aren't usually given if there was any type of non-consent from the female side or any predatorial actions. I could see how, if guys have that mindset, they could, what's the word they could possess a predatorial mindset and behavior because of this false masculinity where they need to try to sleep with as many girls. And then that becomes their identity. And that's what they pursue and chase all the time to the point where they'll stop at almost nothing to get what they want. And then, okay, now, now we got a predator and predatorial behavior starting to take place. When I was that age, I personally never thought of that with any of the guys that I've mentioned here, but looking back, I could see if that's where their identity stays, then absolutely. I I could see, unfortunately, that's the direction that they go.
0: Okay. Well, you talk a lot about the masculinity. Do you think that um, when a guy, you've you've indicated that when a guy has sex and he brags about it, that he's enhancing, he thinks he's enhancing his masculinity, but deep down inside, do you think you know going back to when you first started dating and you know all those things do you think guys can come off charming and confident you know you guys don't say very much where you know women just can't stop talking <laughs> so you know <laughs> and they do that but because of that they come off confident cuz they're not talking very much so they're not saying anything wrong do you think that some guys are intimidated by women when asking them out
1: 100% yes absolutely Um, I think guys are really good about saying the right thing to get what they want. Um, But especially if a woman comes across as very confident and like knows her self-worth, yes, very, very intimidating.
0: Okay, wow. Good answer. Good answer. All right. Let's say you're friends uh, with somebody, the guy, and you're really good friends with the girl, and you guys have a guy's weekend out. Mm -hmm. And on this guy weekends out, even though that your friend, your two friends are so in love that on the guy's weekend out, he hooks up with another woman. And when you come home, I'm using you, but just in general, when the guy Mm -hmm. comes home, he doesn't tell his friend, the female, because it's the bro code. You just don't tell. Why, why is that so important? If you care about the the woman's friendship, why would you not disclose to her the infidelity?
1: That's a great question. I think, man, I think with guys, it's like, that's just a different type of relationship. That's it's hard to go super deep with a woman without end up falling in love or marrying with her. Guys, you can really connect with, you can really get deep with, um, as as brothers or or bros. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Guys just have this unwritten kind of rule, kind of bro code, like you mentioned, just to not say anything because it's uncool or it's like not okay to do. And I'd never fully understood that. Um, like I've always like you know of course I know what the bro code is but I've never understood it to to that aspect or to that extent
0: so you're saying that you can't that that the the relationship you have with the guy even though you guys don't talk very much is deeper than the friendship you have with the woman therefore the bro code is gonna put Everything to the guy because you have a deeper bonding with the guy. Is that correct?
1: For the most part, I will. I will correct you in one aspect. When the boys are together, we can't stop talking. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, Usually, but you don't say anything.
0: You got, you pull up your pants, and you're like, "Dude." <laughs> <Go
1: ahead. laughs> I don't know. At least with at least with my friends, like we have great deep conversations. Okay. Um and we we really try to be vulnerable with each other and like walk with each other. Um but I I think to go kind of where I went earlier where that's kind of the believer side but the unbeliever side guys still talk but it's maybe not deep it's more it's more locker room talk than actual intentional relational talk. Okay. Um, but it's just it's just a different bond like a guy could walk into a room that I've never met we could say Two sentences to each other, and like you click a meeting, it's like, dude, that guy's awesome. Like, he's like my best friend. Like, he's super cool. Like, that's just kind of how easy it is for guys to like become friends and become tight. And okay. it's just, I've never had to try to explain men on men relationship before from like a friend standpoint. This is, this is, <laughs> this is hard. Um, uh, but there's, <laughs> I don't know, there's just, there's something about it. It's like, that's my guy. Like, that's my boy. I don't want to hurt that. Because that's someone who can walk with me for a long time or who can be my friend for a long time.
0: All right. Do you think that the pressures of being one of the guys can result in a guy doing something towards a woman that maybe he wouldn't normally do? Just the peer pressure of, you know, you're just trying to be like one of the guys. And maybe this happened in your younger years, not to you, but just maybe this happens more in their younger years. But, you know, I don't think that every guy that assaults or rapes a woman is brought up that way. I think that there is good parenting in this world. Yet when people go out into society, they feel pressures. Do you think that that happens to some men simply because they're feeling pressures?
1: Yes, 100 percent got to be one of the guys be one of the boys you know um for instance when i was playing hockey in Canada, one of the captains uh, me and one or two of the other rookies is what they called us because it was our first year in that league um where we had we had been abstinent for that point we were we were virgins and he found that out he's like oh man you 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 guys are going to get drunk and you guys are going to lose your virginity in the next like, couple of weeks. Like, I'll like, I'm going to make sure of it. And was really trying to like push that. And some of the other guys were like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, nah, that's not really what I want to do. That's, that's not what I'm here for. But it absolutely is a pressure. Mm. I don't think that's what it is every time because then there's some men who are isolated and choose to isolate themselves. There's some men who there's great parenting, but they feel like it's very restricting. And now they're in the free world. They can be free and experience whatever they want. And then they go mm-hmm. out with no limits and no boundaries. Um, so I, I think there's different aspects, but there's definitely pressure about being one of the guys that is absolutely there and in, in very, very prevalent.
0: Okay. I think that's great for people to to know that and to understand that. Because I think some parents are like, no, 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 I... I raised my son, you know, the right way. And, you know, I'm sure they did. But I, I just think, you know, when the, when you leave the house and you're not under those rules anymore and somebody mm-hmm. always checking in, I, I think it can change. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last part of this, Landon, uh, it, are two scenarios. And I, I want to get your opinion on it. And, you know, whatever it is, it is. And so this is one scenario. This is a true story. They're both true stories. There's a college in Texas and they're having a big fraternity party, of course, with the sororities. All the sororities are coming. It's one of their biggest parties of the year. And one of the guys in the fraternity takes a billboard-sized piece of wood. He takes a spray can and he spray paints. No means yes. And yes means anal. And he puts that up in the yard. And the guests start coming in. And that sign, big sign, probably 10 by 10, is sitting out in the yard. If you were a guy in that fraternity and you showed up, and I promise you some people showed up and laughed. If, and you showed up and saw that sign. How difficult would it be to take down that sign?
1: Hmm. I think it would be very difficult. I think there's a a couple different things at play here. Um, One, I was never part of a fraternity, but I knew a lot of guys who were, and I kind of understand the attitude going into it. Like a lot of these guys, like one, being in a fraternity is cool. Like it's like the cool thing to do, man. But also you have a lot of good friends and you really want to fit in. And if somebody in your fraternity put that sign up and you're in a spot in your life, it's like, man, I really want to fit in with these guys. Like, I don't want to be the guy that gets kicked out or that guys don't like because I try to take this sign down. Then guys are just going to push that aside and go with the flow because that's where that's kind of where they want to be. They chose to rush. That's kind of the attitude that's about it. I think it would be very difficult, too, because whoever put that sign up clearly has a very clear intention of how that party is going to be. And especially if he's higher up or if he's bigger, he's older, whatever it may be, is going to really push for that and is going to push against whoever wants to push back on him. He's going to push back on them as hard as he can to get that to flow because he... uh, Again, it kind of wants to be the cool guy, like great party last night. like, that was a cool sign, blah, blah, blah. There's again, the sense of false masculinity between, oh, I'm the guy that put up that sign. Oh, cool, man. Like, you're awesome. Like, thanks for that. Cause I got to do X, Y, and Z. But yeah, I think it'd be very difficult to take that sign down.
0: But at the same time, that's basically that sign is representing you. If you're in that mm-hmm. fraternity and that sign is up in the yard, that sign is representing you. And you're mm-hmm. saying to me, oh, I don't agree with it. Did you agree with that sign, Landon?
1: Not even a little bit, no. Okay. I think that's a terrible sign. And,
0: yeah, and I want everybody to know he's not laughing or anything. He's dead no. serious. And so he doesn't agree with it, but it basically it represents, it represents you and it represents that fraternity. Mm-hmm. So- and I, I understand those are things like you made you made points that on a, at a college level, people probably do think that way. And especially maybe somebody like a pledge is not going to go up against somebody higher up in the house. But at what point at what point do men protect women? At what point does that happen? Because it is the women that that sign is directed towards.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: at what point do you help us stay safe? And for all the women that probably at least one, I promise you, statistically, at least one was raped that night, at -hmm. least one. And if that sign contributed to it, that fraternity contributed to it. That's Mm -hmm. just how that's just my take on it.
1: All right. So that's one. Did you
0: want to comment any more on that?
1: I think guys start to protect women when they actually grow up a little bit and realize that there's a lot more to a girl than her body. But the hard part is when you're at that age and you're in that culture and that environment, that maturity more times than not is not there.
0: All right. The next scenario, true story, about students that go to a bar on a weekend. One group is from a female sports team and the other group is from the men's football team. And guys on the football team, everybody's at the bar and everybody's having fun and everybody's drinking and the guys on the football team start giving the female the female athletes shots. So they do some because you know that's peer pressure and that's part of the night. But at one point the female athlete says, "I can't do anymore. I don't want any more." And the peer pressure is they keep putting it in front of her, putting it in front of her. And her next vision is waking up in the alley outside the bar, all her clothes are off and three guys are standing around her and she's been sexually assaulted. And we all know that there were people in the bar that saw that unfolding. And you only know it's going to go one way. It's not going to be in favor of the, of the woman. And, and, not everyone in that bar was college age. So again, at what point in society do we protect women and say, dude, that's not right. That can't happen. When they see her, them dragging her out into the alley, at what point does somebody say that's not going to happen?
1: That's a heavy situation. hmm I mean, I'm very hopeful that someone would have said something, but also there's situations like that where those three guys will have other guys standing, standing guard to make sure nobody comes in and says anything or no one can come in and intrude. And did it's it like- look like she was being dragged out of the bar or did they try to gently walk her out the bar and then do what they needed to do? And did anybody actually hear them say no? And so there's a lot of questions that I have, but I'm really hoping if somebody heard her or these women say, Nope, I don't want anymore. And these guys say, do it anyway. That somebody would step in right there. Say, Hey man, she said, no, she doesn't want to. And like, that's that, that is what I would like to see happen. That's what I would, I would hope that I would do in that situation.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's um, the concerning part of what you added. And I and I know there, I know you're right, is that not only was it three against one, three football players against one female athlete. They mm-hmm. had guys keeping guard. They had guys keeping watch. I just saw that in adult life. Recently on the news this week, a guy takes, grabs a woman, brings her into the bathroom and all the security guards are lined up surrounding the bathroom door. So nobody can go inside. At what point in society do we protect women? So that's just, I don't expect you to have the answer. I'm just giving you, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be the change Landon. <laughs> I'm hoping you're going to be the mm-hmm. change and you're going to help make a difference at starting with the the men in your circle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for not expecting me to answer that question. It was a <laughs> deep question that is out yes. of my pay grade.
0: Yeah. You might not sleep tonight after our conversation.
1: Yeah. The seminar that I helped you with, that was, that was really heavy. I definitely was thinking a lot that day and the couple of days afterwards.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for helping me. It was nice to have you there. And, and, and I, I do enjoy when, when men come and they, get a deeper understanding of what females go through and how scary it can be. You know, I don't, I don't want women to be scared. I'm always like, let's, let's get, let's prevent, let's have really good awareness. Let's do all the things so we can prevent something like, like this ever happening, you know? And, and I realize that when we're in different uh, levels of our life from teenagers to college, to young adults, we make different decisions. Hopefully we grow, you know, and we don't make the same decisions when we're 40 as when we were, when we were like 22, but you know, it's never the victim's fault. That's just, that's just, you know, how I, how I feel, you know, if a woman's drunk, it doesn't mean that she's saying, yes, I, you know, I want to be sexually assaulted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, all right. On a lighter note, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share?
1: I think I want to share kind of what biblical masculinity looks like, which is what true masculinity is. Society throws out sex, drugs, alcohol, who you slept with, fill in the blank as masculinity when that is not the truth. Men go out and do these things because they're trying to fill a void. You you, you kind of alluded to that earlier, Barb. That void will never be filled, no matter how many women you sleep with, how drunk you get, how many drugs you do, how much porn you watch, what cars you own, what things you buy, what job you have, you name it. Nothing can fill that void except for Jesus. Biblical masculinity looks like guarding the heart of yourself and guarding the heart of a woman. It's protecting that woman emotionally, spiritually, physically, respecting her wishes, just like Ali said. She knew her worth. She was not there to play games. She laid it down right there. I had two choices. I could have said, whatever, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need this anyway. But in that moment, I was like, my goodness, this is what I need as a man to help kick my butt back into shape. And I respected what she said and tried to continue to respect her boundaries from there on out. Even as her husband, maybe not physical sexual boundaries, but there's other boundaries that I, that's my job to respect. Respect and honor women, protect them and guard them as if they are your own daughter, as Jesus calls us to do. That's true masculinity, not what society says it is, not even a little bit. Men go out and do these things because trying to prove to themselves, or maybe in their mind, it'll make them feel better. It will cure whatever is going on. There's a much deeper problem almost every single time that and none of those actions are going to fill that void. And in the case of this podcast, protecting, guarding, respecting, honoring the women around you, whether it's someone you're dating, whether it's your mom, whether it's your sister, your teacher, your friend, your, your guy friend, sister, no matter what it is, true masculinity is respecting and honor women. That's, yeah, that's really all I have to share on that because it's really sad to see guys try to fill these gaps and fill these voids with all of these things that are completely useless to their goal.
0: All right, Landon. Wow, this was heavy. You did well, though, I have to say.
1: Uh, I want to thank you
0: so much for being a guest. And now you Mm -hmm. are part of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect.
1: Sweet. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful.
0: <laughs> I so appreciate Landon uh, sharing his insight. And I know it was, uh, it got deep, but, you know, it's a deep topic. And I, I, I just thank him so much for, you know, being vulnerable and expressing how he personally felt about all these different situations. And I did mention one situation um, when we were talking about how men guarded somebody, while there was a sexual assault occurring, and I mentioned something that happened in the news. And the, the accusation is against the UFC fighting star, Conor McGregor. And during the NBA playoffs this year, Game 4, uh, a woman claims that police the or and security escorted her at the end of the game into the men's restroom and once the door closed security there is footage on this and I've seen it security stood in front of the door with their arms crossed as if nobody else was going in and when the woman was brought into the restroom she claims that McGregor came out of the handicapped stall and sexually assaulted her but again why I bring this up that men were keeping guard And I've seen the video. There are two bodybuilder type security guards standing in front of the door with their arms crossed. And if they're doing this as grown adult men, I think to myself, if this is true, how often, how many times have they done this since their 20s? Where did they learn this type of behavior? So that's all I have for you. We gotta we gotta help educate the men in our lives. No matter who they are, we can't stop talking to them because they're gonna go on to have daughters. And that's why some of the dads in our lives are like saying to their daughters, you're not dating anybody until you're 40 years old. I know exactly what that joke means because they know what some of these men are capable of. That's all I have for you today. I'm your host, Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect.